It's my pleasure to congratulate Mr. Mrs. He's seven years of marriage. Fantastic. And we thank God for Mr. And Mrs. Hiller. This morning we're uh, going to a place called the Valley of Elah. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Nobody. Okay. Has anybody ever heard of David and Goliath? Okay, good. We're, we're doing good. Some of you know that we've been doing this series on Israel, and we're going to be doing that throughout the course of the summer. And what we're doing is we're visiting various places that we will be taking you to, uh, that is, if you've signed up for the tour to Israel. So I just want to encourage you that if you haven't signed up yet, that you do that today. And some people are asking, what well, will it be in the summer? Will it be in the winter? Will it be in the spring, the fall? And so here's, here's my answer. I don't know. <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to uh, ask everybody what's a good time for you, and then we're going to try to figure out a way to get you there at a time that best suits you. I know one of the things that Jesse Duncalf, my son, wants to do is he wants to take a team of young adults to Israel on what they call the Zealous Tour. And uh, this is an amazing tour. Uh, the average person will never, ever get to experience this in their lifetime. You're going to go to places where they don't take tourists, and you're going to get to know people in Israel that you wouldn't get to meet along the, the, the tourist way. And uh, they take you to the backsides of Israel. They let you, uh, there's zip lining and there's uh, quadding and all the rest of it. It's just a fantastic experience. So if, if you have a young adult or if there's any young adults here that want to join Jesse, we want you to sign up for that because it's going to be the time of your life. Now, one of the places that you're going to be visiting if you sign up to go to Israel is you're going to be going to the Valley of Elah. And the, the Valley of Elah is just about uh, 18 miles southwest of Jerusalem and uh, actually not that far away from Bethlehem. And I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, you know we were talking about Bethlehem last week. Well, actually, David is from the, the town of Bethlehem. Did you know that? His son, Jesse, was uh, born and raised there. And interestingly, Jesse's grandmother is Ruth. Now, here's the thing. In our family, we have a Jesse. How many know that? And do you know his grandmother is Ruth? Isn't that neat? And so Jesse has to call his firstborn David. That's, that's the way it's got to go. And then the next one, we're hoping, we're hoping that, uh, that finally um, David will have a son called Solomon and he will become the richest man on the earth, and I'll be set forever. <laughs> uh, wishful thinking. Uh, <laughs> I hope that Jesus will return before then. So we're going to the Valley of Elah. Uh, Elah the Valley of Elah is just a, a short distance from, from Bethlehem. It's, uh, Bethlehem's just northeast of the Valley of Elah. And the city of Gath is located just five miles west of the Valley of Elah. Now, Gath is a place where Goliath comes from. How many know that, that uh, Goliath was a giant and he was a Philistine and the Philistines hated the Jews and basically nothing's really changed in the Middle East <laughs> since all these years. We know the story of a young boy who fought the nine-foot giant and we don't know exactly how tall he was, but we know this. He was certainly much, much taller than anybody else who lived at the time. And I will say this to you today. That the story of David and Goliath was really an accidental story. David was, not, David was a young boy, just a shepherd boy. He was not out looking to pick a fight. David, as some of you may or may not know it, was at the right place at the right time, and he heard the threats of a blaspheming, angry Philistine, blasphemous God, and defy the armies of Israel. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about the giants that you and I face. Now, has anybody ever heard of Popeye? What does this have to do with David and Goliath, Pastor? I'm glad you asked that question. 
Popeye was one of my favorite cartoons as a child. In fact, I think it might, be, it might have been the only one on TV <laughs> when I was uh, a child, which is not that many years ago. Uh, his name is Popeye the, the Sailor Man. And, and you know the story. He's constantly in battle with, what's his name? Bluto, right? Brutus? Are you sure? You better check that out. And what, what's going on here? Usually what's happening is, uh, uh, let's call him the giant. He's after olive oil. Remember olive oil? She was a knockout, wasn't she? <laughs> she was just the most amazing. She had size 14 feet and uh, a nose went out to there. Just a real knockout. And there's always a, there's always a battle between Popeye and Brutus. Okay, we'll call him Brutus since you said Brutus. Anyway, there's the battle going on, and usually olive oil is in trouble. She's in serious trouble. And Popeye tries to tackle the situation. You know the story. And, of course, he gets pummeled by Brutus. He gets pummeled by whoever the, the, the antagonist is. And then finally, it dawns on Popeye, I don't need to take this. Yeah, that's right, spinach. You couldn't help yourself, could you? (laughs) He had to get that spinach. And the amazing thing about Popeye is that he could actually, just with a pipe, he could stick the, the end of his pipe in the can of spinach and suck the spinach right through. And next thing you know, he had arms of steel that could do just about anything. What was the famous statement that he made before he went and battled the giant? That's all I can stand, because I can stand no more. Would you say that again with me? That's all I can stand, because I can't stand no more. And he takes that spinach, and he's got supernatural strength, and he conquers the enemy, and olive oil is set free. And the sun shines again, and the birds chirp, and all is well. (laughs) Okay, I want to tell you something today. This is probably one of the very best metaphors ever. What happens when God's people surrender to the power of his spirit to enable them to do the thing that God wants them to do? And I want to ask you today, what giants are you battling What giants are you facing in your life? Because here's what I know for sure, is every single person here today has either faced some very large giants in their life, or are facing them at this very, very moment, or will face some giants in the days to come. Every one of us, at some point or another, is going to come face to face with a giant. The question is this, is what will you do? Now, young David, I told you, just sort of accidentally was in the right place at the right time. David, having no intentions of of going to to fight, is in a place where he indeed has to fight. I don't know if David said these words exactly, but I think he must have said something like this. That's all I can stand, because I can't stand no more. Have you come to that place in your life yet? I'm going to show you this morning from God's word, how you can face those giants that you're facing. How you can prepare yourself to face the giants that are to come. And if you've lived uh, for any length of time, then you know that what I'm saying is absolutely true. You know that you are going to have some giants in your life. So let's take a look then at the story, the fantastic story of David and Goliath. And you know the story, David, young shepherd boy, just a young boy, out taking care of his sheep. He's called by his father, and he's he's told, David, I want you to go to your brothers. Go to the battle line. Bring them some food. Bring them some roasted grain. Bring them them a little bit of cheese. And uh, and find out what's going on. Report to me. Let me know what's, what's going on. And so that's exactly what he does. He gets there. And when he does get there, he sees a giant. And he starts asking questions. What's going on around here? And the soldier said, where, where have you been? Where have you, where, where have you been? Ha, haven't you heard? This man has been pestering us for 40 days now. 
Every day he threatens us and he blasphemes our God and he, and he defies the army of Israel. And David shakes his head and says, wow, that's amazing. He says, he looks like a pretty big guy. And they say, yeah, he is huge. Look at, look at the size of his spear. This, the spear shaft is about three and a half inches in, in diameter. The Bible says that the, that the spearhead weighs a full 15 pounds. His armor, his just, just his breastplate, weighs 125 pounds. Bible scholars say that he was carrying around probably about 275 pounds worth of armor. So we're talking about a human tank. And so David is looking at this and he's thinking, wow, this guy, he does look formidable. He looks, in fact, impossible to conquer. The giant yells out to the people, the armies of Israel, send me somebody, send me somebody to fight me. Just one man, one mano mano. Let's meet in the middle of the valley. And there's the Philistines on one side of the valley. And there's the Israelites on the other side of the valley. And they're looking at each other. Staring each other down. And there's the giant over there. Threatening and blaspheming and saying horrible things about the God of Israel. Send me a man to fight me, says Goliath. And if, if I conquer your man, then you will serve us. But if your man conquers me, then we will serve you. And David hears all that, and in his mind he's thinking, challenge accepted. <laughs> now one of the soldiers is listening to David's questions. And, uh, and David's saying, this, is, this shouldn't be impossible, this should be doable. And so of course what happens is that it's reported to the king, King Saul. Israel's first king. And uh, Saul says, well, <laughs> is it true, David? You, you, you think you could fight this, this giant? And David says, absolutely. I could, I, could, I could put him down like that. And Saul said, that's impossible. You're just a young boy, a child, really. You see this man, he's nine, nine feet tall. Look at the armor. I mean, you haven't got a chance. And David says, look it, this is a piece of cake. I don't know if he said exactly like that. Piece of cake. And Saul's sitting there regarding this young man and scratching his head, trying to make this out. Saul's terrified, by the way. All the soldiers of Israel are terrified. That's what it says in 1 Samuel 17. David said, piece of cake. And Saul says, well, why, why would you say that it's a piece of cake? He said, well, I'll tell you, it's simple. When I was taking care of my dad's sheep... I'll tell you, I was all alone. I didn't have anybody helping me. I didn't have anybody with me. I was all alone. You see this sling here I got in my pocket? Basically, two pieces of string with a chunk of leather in the middle. Put a stone in that little leather pocket. Start swinging that thing. He says, he says so I know how to use this thing. And so I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to go against a human tank with a stone? Are you kidding me? And there's young little Ernest David, so sincere, so desirous to do the right thing, so, so willing to stand up against the enemy of God. He says, yeah, I can do this. In fact, Mr. King, Saul, he says, I, I rescued sheep out of the mouths of lions. He says, I would just, I'd get a hold of that lion, I'd grab by the jaw and take my club and just beat the tar out of that, well, I don't know exactly like that, beat the, you know what, out of that lion, and I'd rescue that sheep out of its mouth. And when a bear came along, I did the same thing. I can fight bears, I can fight lions, and I can tell you this Philistine's a piece of cake. I can do this. So Saul thinks, well, someone's got to fight him. He <laughs> may as well be this kid. So he, what he does is he takes his armor and he puts it on David. So there's David with his massive mounts of armor on him. He says, I can't even walk, Mr. King. You, you're going to have to take it off of me. I, I, I just got to go on my own and do it my own way. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. 
Because everybody here I know, when you face your giant, you think that you don't have what it takes to get the job done. But I want you to know this. God takes who you are with what you have and a little bit of faith. And God turns your world around. And so David says, I'm going to skip the armor if you don't mind, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But I'm going to go on my own. So Saul said, okay, go ahead. Go for it. Saul leaves the, or David leaves Saul's presence, leaves the comfort and the safety of this side of the valley, this hill. And without doing too much thinking or meditating on this, he tucks his robe into his belt, got his, his staff in hand, it's a shepherd's staff. He uses that staff to keep his sheep in line and to, of course, club lions. On his way over to the giant, he stoops down, collects five stones from the stream bed, tucks them in his little pouch. And Goliath is looking at this. And he's saying, is this this really happening? Is this a boy that's... And then he realizes, yes, it is a boy. Israel is sending a little boy to fight a nine-foot giant. And Goliath begins to curse David and says, what, are you, what, are you, what am I, a dog? Do you come with a stick? He says, and he began to curse David by his gods. He basically said, David, a young man, you're dead. I, I'm going to feed you to the birds. You, you haven't got a hope. You haven't got a chance. Come over here and I'll feed your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And you know what happens next. I'm going to read to you right from the Bible. Listen to this. David replied to the Philistine, You come with me. You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you. Ready for this? I come to you in the name of the Lord. Someone say hallelujah. Yeah. I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Don't you love how explicit the scriptures are? Sarah refused, my Sarah, refused to watch any cartoon on the subject because she couldn't stand the sight of heads being removed from bodies. But here's David. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know. That there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues the people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Hey, you can all go home now. Wow. Now, I'm going to tell you something today, my friends my brothers, my sisters. I don't know what kind of faith you've got, but my prayer is that today your faith will be revved up to its highest levels of all time. That whatever giants you are facing in your life right now, that today God will speak to your heart and show you that by His Spirit, He is able to help you do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Are you ready? To allow God to use you. Are you ready to allow God to to work in your life and to help you conquer that enemy that threatens you? Look at here, look look what it says here in in verse 48 and 49. I, I want you to look at this. It says, As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Can I just can I just uh stop for a moment and get you to recognize what it says here? That David quickly ran out to meet him. What does that say to you? This guy's either an idiot going to face his death, or this is a man who has tremendous faith and believes in the Almighty God of Israel. Reaching into the shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. Oh, 
he hurled it with his sling on the first try people, swung that thing around, hit the Philistine in the forehead, and boom! Now, you know what they say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. This giant didn't know what hit him. He was ready to turn David into a pile of bird feed. But David did that to him. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because here's what I know for sure. Is that the God who helped David, the God who inspired the heart of David, the God who encouraged the heart of David to run at his enemy is a God who wants to do the same thing for you today. The question is this, will you respond? Look at the next verse. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. For what? He had no sword. Now, I know what some of you are thinking today. I can't, I can't fight this battle in my life right now, Pastor. I don't have the tools. I don't have the equipment. I'm not prepared. I don't have the education. I don't have the money. Uh, I don't have the skill set. I'm not from the right family. I don't have the right upbringing. There's all kinds of excuses why you can't conquer the giant in your life. But look what it says here. David didn't have a sword. What did he have? He had the Lord and he had what all shepherds have. A staff and a sling. And with the things in his hands and the power of Almighty God, David was able to get the job done. Remember, David didn't set out this day to kill a giant. He happened to be in the right place at the right time. He heard the blasphemy, and this is what he said. It's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. Nobody is going to blaspheme my God. No one is going to defy the armies of, of Almighty God. And so he says, move aside, everybody. It was more like this, because he's a kid looking up. Move aside, everybody. I'm coming through. And that's exactly what he did. He came on through. And next thing you know, there is a giant lying on the ground, headless, because a young boy trusted Almighty God. Now, I want to just remind you what bullies do. Anybody ever faced a bully? I know I have. Anybody here a bully? No, don't put your hand up. I'll tell you what they do. They taunt you. The giants in your life, they ridicule you. You've heard the voices in your head, haven't you? The giants represent Satan. Represents those people who are under Satan's control, under Satan's sway. You know what I'm talking about. They taunt you. They ridicule you. They make fun of you. They strike fear in your heart. They try to humiliate you. They put you down. They tell you that you're useless. They try to make you feel powerless. That's what giants do, don't they? They make you feel like there's no way that you can overcome them. They suggest that your God is powerless. They suggest it's all a myth. Why do you bother? Just abandon the faith, abandon Christianity. It's, it's not real. It's not true. It's all myths. We all know it's myths. You know what I tell you something right now? Christianity is under attack right now like it hasn't been attacked probably in all of these last two millennia. We are seeing something right now that we've never seen before. We're seeing a, a massive, massive assault against Christianity. It's one of the things that convinces me that we are, in fact, living in the last days. And you know what's what's a real problem? Is that so many Christians don't know their Bibles, they don't know the truth, and they just accept whatever they hear on television. So someone like Richard Dawkins stands up and says, oh, it's all a hoax, it's all a myth, it's not true, God is not great. The Christians say, oh, I guess that's true. Because they don't know their Bible. They don't know the truth. They don't know the truth that sets them free. You don't know what it says in the scriptures. You're totally ignorant. Thanks a lot, Pastor. Just what I wanted to be told this morning. 
But this is the problem. This is the problem of our culture right now. Our, young, our generation, the young, this younger generation is growing up believing what they hear in schools, believing what they hear on television, believing what they hear on YouTube, and it goes on and on. Your God is a myth. The Bible's a myth. And here's what the giant wants to do. He wants to knock out your faith. He wants to just deliver one good blow that will knock out your faith and render you useless, powerless, without faith. Today, I want to say this to you. You need to understand the ways of this giant. He's a bully. His name is Satan. He will do whatever he can to destroy your faith. But here's what you need to know. You ready for this? He is a a defeated foe. He's been defeated by Jesus Christ. And whether or not you understand this or believe this or believe in the lies of our culture, here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ has prevailed and Satan is a conquered enemy already. And the only power that he has over you is the power that you give him. Every time you believe the lies of that bully. I mean, that's what Goliath was doing. I'm going to slaughter you. and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. And the wild animals are going to feast on your flesh. And you need to just say right back to Goliath, Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? My dad's bigger than your dad. (laughs) And that giant had no idea what hit him. I mean, he had no idea what hit him. Whoa, that was a stone. And that's where we get the term, he was stoned. Now listen, what giants are before you today? They may be personal giants or they may be giants out there that you look at and it really troubles your heart. It makes you angry. In just a few weeks, Dennis, we will be leading a team to Burundi. We saw the video clip just a few moments ago. There was a giant of, of poverty and illiteracy, a giant, widows and orphans without help. And Dennis said, God, by your grace and by your strength, I can attack that giant. And so he started the orphanage in Burundi and very graciously invited us as a church to get behind him and work with him to go and conquer that giant. What is the giant before you? Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's illiteracy. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, ignorance of Jesus Christ and you just got to get out there and tell people about Jesus. Maybe it's doubt in your own heart. Maybe it's problems in your own life. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe your family's in trouble. You haven't got a great relationship with God, great relationship with your kids. I don't know what your giant is, but I know this is that God has sent his Holy Spirit to empower you to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. This is gospel, people. This is the scripture. So the question is this today. Are you going to surrender and yield to the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or are you going to just start chewing your fingernails off? Start cowering in the corner. Oh, no, I'm done for. I'm done. I want you to know today that you and God are a majority. All you need is God, folks. You don't need anything else. And if you got God on your side, then the enemy's toast. Toast. And you got a chance. And got a hope. What's your giant? You see the orphans and the widows, and you gotta say, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show up, I gotta do what I can. Will anybody do anything about the abortion that's happening in our land? We don't hear much about it anymore, do we? It's still there. And someday our grandchildren are going to ask us, what did you do about that? We are seeing things in our culture, and our society, that I have to be honest with you, I never dreamt that I would see it in my time. We are seeing a very rapid disintegration of our cultural fiber. It's falling apart. It's in, we're in bad, bad shape, people. Do you understand that? When will we, as God's people, rise up and say, this is all I can stand because I can't stand no more? 
When are we going to rise up and say, God, what would you have me to do? What, would, what do you want me to do, God? You see, folks, this is who we are and this is what we are as Christians. So many people think they're going to come to church and I'm going to get what I can get from me. It's about time for me to take care of myself. But here's what you need to understand about what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about you. But rather it's about you responding to Jesus Christ and doing what God has called you to do. Aldwin and Rubina see a need in the third world country to to prepare and to teach pastors to, to preach. Even though not in the best of health, they faithfully respond to the Holy Spirit's leading and they go every year, sometimes twice a year, to Indonesia, to China, to India, to places where most people don't want to go because it's not comfortable and sometimes it's even hostile, but they go. Why? Because they see a giant before them that they know that God has empowered them to slay. Would you do this for me this morning? Would you just turn to the person beside you and say, good morning, giant slayer. Go ahead. Now you say, hold on a minute, pastor. I can't fight giants. You don't know who I am. I, I don't have... Okay, that's enough. Please. But back here. Uh, pastor, I can't fight giants. Okay, and i got to remind you. i got to remind you of the words of a young boy whom most of us are older than. A young boy who said these words. Look at the next slide. Read it with me. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Wow. Wow. So you think you can't slay giants? Well, I've got to say this to you. Well, in your own strength you can, but you have to remember the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you to us. The Bible is clear that you and I are more than conquerors through Christ. Hallelujah. We're more than conquerors through Christ. It's not in your own strength. It's not in your own wisdom. It's not in your own power. But it's in the very power of God. So here's the question that God has for you today. Is what do you have in your hands? What do you have? For David, he had, well, God, I've got a shepherd's stick and I've got a, a sling. And God said, excellent. I don't know if he did it exactly like that, but God said something like that. Way to go, or you can do this. What do you have? What are your skills? What is the talent you have? What has God entrusted to you? Do you have a house? I think of the Crotto family, the very first church I was in. They, they said, Pastor Allen, we don't have a lot, but we have our house, and we're willing to give that to God. And I said, well, it's interesting you should say that, because I've got uh, a, young, a young man who's got no place to go. Parents have kicked him out, and uh, there's no place to go. And they said, well, he can stay at our house. They saw something that incensed them, and they said, God, we're willing to serve you, we're willing to give you whatever we have. They said, God, here's our house, use it. And so from that day on, they had a string of people staying in their home, young people who were lost, young people who ran away from home, young people who were struggling and and having a hard time with life, and God used this family to conquer some of these giants. And they opened their doors up. Because they had a house. What have you got? I can tell you this. If you're willing, God will use it. Martin Luther King. Anybody ever heard of him? He saw the injustice that was taking place, particularly in the southern states. And he saw the injustice and he said, God, I can't stand it. It's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. And God asked, what have you got? Well, God, I've got two good legs, and I can speak. Perfect. And so next thing you know, Martin Luther King became the voice against the racism and the intolerance between blacks and whites. And he led a protest, a march. They attacked him. Some were hurt. Some were killed. But I can tell you this, because of the efforts of Martin Luther King Jr., who couldn't stand anymore 
there was legislation passed that put an end to the segregation. And next thing you know, young black people were going to the schools reserved for white people because a man was willing to stand up and say, it's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. Willing to fight a giant. It was Martin Luther King. He said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. At the end of Dennis Weeb's emails each week, or every time he sends you an email, at the, at the end of the message it says, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Listen, folks, listen. You can conquer the giants that are before you. And if God has put it in your heart to make a difference in this world, then you need to say, God, here am I, use me. God will take your skills, he'll take what you have, and you will use it for his glory and honor. Every year we have a banquet in February. We invite you to come to give us just a small donation, a one-time missions donation of $60 so that we can make a difference in Burundi, so we can take care of the widows and the orphans, so that we can take care of the poor, those in poverty in Costa Rica, so that we can take care of those little orphans in Kitwe in Zambia. I got an email yesterday from Happy and Evangeline in Chihuahua. Anybody remember that? We were there a few weeks ago. Do you remember? Do you remember that we sent materials for swings, for a swing set? It came over in the container, but it got there after we left. Carrie, do you remember we bought slides? Carrie, you bought a slide, actually. And I'm going to show you some pictures after those slides built and put together and little children in Chihuahua having a good time because because there was another team that came from ontario and said we can help slay the giant we can make a difference cross church we're not in a wealthy part of town in fact you know what the church growth people will tell you they'll say this if you're going to plant a church don't go to poor areas because you'll never have enough money to do the programs Go to the south end of Winnipeg because there's lots of money there. And I can tell you that this church is probably one of the best giving churches in all of Winnipeg. And I bet you in all of Canada. I'm not kidding you folks. Why? Because we as a church understand that with God's help and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can slay giants all over the place. And how many know there are a lot of giants to slay? And God wants to use us. And so every year people show up and give a small donation. And we raise tens and tens of thousands of dollars. This summer, we, were, we had how many were at the banquet here for Hope for the Island for the Philippines? And someone said, there's no way we're going to be able to, to match the kind of giving that we get in February. You can't do this twice in one year, and you can't do it in the summer. Oh, yeah? $30,000 later... Because a few people said God can give us the grace and God will give us the strength and God will give us the provision and we can make a difference. What have you got in your hands? Well, I've got 60 bucks. Well, that'll do the trick. And if enough of us get together with our 60 bucks here and 60 bucks there, next thing you know, we've got $30,000 and we're able to build an orphanage. There's a group of engineers. I think they're stationed out of B.C., and they look at the third world countries that need schools and hospitals and orphanages. And I've got to tell you this, people. You know, we talk about buying property, build an orphanage in Burundi. It's not as easy as it sounds. Here we've got access to, to all sorts of engineers and experts. But go to the backsides of Burundi. What are you going to find there? A few farmers that know how to farm rice. They don't know anything about bedrock and foundations and, and calculations to build this, that, or the other thing. And these engineers see the giant before them and they know that the only way that we can establish an infrastructure in these lands is that if people who have got the skill set will rise up and do what they want, what needs to be done. And so I'm going to tell you this. I can report this, Dennis. I can report that we've got some engineers going to Burundi to, to prepare us to build our orphanage in Burundi. Hallelujah. Because a few men will say... Here's what I got in my hand, God. Take it and use it for your glory and honor. What do you got in your hand? And are you willing to say, this is all I can stand? Because I can't stand no more. Wow.
I could go on and on, tell you stories of people who looked at the giant square in the face and said, it's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. And great things happened because of that. What do you got in your hand? And secondly, you got to do David. you got to run at it. Don't sit and chew your nails and think, well, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Rise up. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and run at that problem with all your heart, with all your might. I'm going to tell you this. It may be scary. In fact, it'll probably be the ride of your life. But I can tell you this. You are going to see tremendous victory. I'm going to close with this. I am, I am going to Burundi this summer, just a few weeks. Um, some people ask, well, Pastor, do you have any giants that you're fighting right now? Oh, yeah, I'm fighting giants all the time. That's what I do. I'm a giant slayer. <laughs> and I like it. Thank you for those four people. All. <laughs> we are a church of giant slayers, just so that everybody understands that. If you don't like slaying giants and you probably won't like going to our church, you'll probably want to go to a church where they'll give you um, manicures and pedicures. But we don't do that here. We're a little rough around the edges. We slay giants. We're tough. So, Pastor, what are your giants? i got two giants right now that I'm working on. And uh, we're going to do this thing. The first giant is a giant of, and I'm going to be facing it this fall. So, by the way, this fall, I'm just serving notice to everybody here. Be prepared. You're gonna, we're going to have the ride of our life this fall. The giant that I'm concerned about is our ignorance about what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ. we got a real problem in North America. I'm going to tell you. It is such a concern to me that it's going to radically change the way we function as a church. It starts this fall. But you are going to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You will make a decision whether or not you really want to do this or not. How many know that church, is, this is not a country club, this is not the, this is not the Kiwanis or the Rotarians here. Everybody understand that? It's not a club you go to once a week and, you know, you get sing a few songs, have a free cup of coffee and go home and say, well, that was fun. Let's go to eat. Now, this is a place where you come to be challenged to follow Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the giant that we're going to be facing this fall. We're going to do it together and we're going to see amazing things happen. I believe we're going to see uh, something like revival take place in our midst. As we surrender fully to Jesus Christ. But that's, that's for another day. That's this fall. The immediate giant that I'm facing is that I'm going to Burundi. I, feel, uh, I felt last year that I needed to go to Burundi. We did a one-day one um, pastor's conference. And I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I've never, first of all, never experienced anything quite like it before because these pastors were so hungry, so thirsty, so open to hear what I had to say, particularly in the area of how to be a good husband, how to be a good parent. Did you hear that? And some of the pastors' wives were there, and they were like, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, preach it, brother. They were saying something like that. It was in another language. I think that was it. But you got the gist, right? <laughs> these, these, these women were sitting so quietly and so you know, submissive to their husbands until I started telling their husbands how they're supposed to treat their wives. And all of a sudden, they just came alive. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! This is fantastic. But you know the neat thing is that these pastors were so open to it and so hungry, and they couldn't get enough. And at the end of the session, after the teaching for a full day, pastors were coming around me and they wanted to get their picture taken with me like I was a superstar. And I'm, I'm not. You all know that. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. But they were hearing truth. It was a truth that was liberating. It was setting their hearts on fire. And so they said, could you come again? And I... I, uh, I didn't really say yes or no, but, you know, I said, well, we'll, we'll pray about it. How many know that you, that's what you do, right? You, you I'll pray about it. 
Usually it means no, but. <laughs> so you know what I did? We did pray about it. And it suddenly I got a, I got a call from Dennis Weeb. It said, Alan, you're going back, right? I said, well, what are you talking about? You're going back to do another pastor's conference. Well, Delson said you're coming. And I got an email from Delson. Pastors are all expecting you. And this time we're going to have 100 pastors. And this time it's not going to be just for a day. It's going to be for three days. Okay, now can you imagine speaking for three days through an interpreter? This is my new giant. I got to conquer that. I got to slay that giant this summer. As I've been praying about this, I'd say, God, well, first of all, it's like, it's like 4500 bucks to go to Burundi. I don't have that kind of money. I've been going now. This will be my third year in a row going on a major missions trip. Our two children have just gone to Costa Rica on a missions trip. We're not made of money. And as a pastor, I can't ask you for that. I, could, I don't mind asking for money for, for all the missions projects we do, but I will never ask for money for myself. And I just took it to the Lord in prayer and said, God, you know, uh, I've got to pay for this ticket. I've got to pay my way. And um, I'm not asking for anything. So, God, it's your problem. And yesterday, out of the blue, I was talking to somebody. They, were, they had certain problems that they need my, needed my help with. And I'm going to be helping this family with their problems. And, um, and they just said, well, how are you doing? I said, good. I'm preparing for my work in Burundi. And they said, well, you know what? We want to help you. Come by our office. We're going to give you a check for $5,000. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Folks, what I want to do is I want to provide each of the pastors with a very special packet. I want to go there and I want to teach them. I want to instruct them on what it means to follow Christ. I don't know if you know this, but there is a real um, movement, a false teaching going through Africa. And it's hitting Burundi as well. And I feel God's called me to go and to teach them what they need to hear. When I'm there, I would like to give them this little packet that I put together. It's a binder, a notebook from Superstore. Isn't that cool? Canada. The land of the whatever. A pencil case with a highlighter, a pen, and a pencil in it, and then a calendar. Do you know this represents, I don't know, maybe a week's salary for them? Maybe even more than that. I don't know. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to give every leader, every pastor who comes a little package like this for taking notes. But what I'd also like to do is at the end of the conference, I'd like to send them home with a hamper of food to provide for them, to bless them and honor them for taking the time to come to this conference. Because many of these pastors, listen to me folks, have no training and many of them are self-supporting. That means they've got to, they have to support themselves in ministry and they're taking off this time to come to our conference. I want to send them home with food. I want to give them enough to, to meet their needs, to cover their expenses. And I'm going to tell you, there's a poverty there that you and I know nothing about. Now, remember I told you I was... I, I never will ask for money for myself. But I don't mind asking for the pastors in Burundi. I have, uh, I've maybe done this maybe three times in all the years I've been here. What I'd like to do this morning is, is ask you, the congregation, to span, sponsor a pastor. I've got some envelopes made out. It says the Burundi Pastors Conference for $25. You can, you can provide food for this pastor. You can give him a package like this. And we can give these pastors a time of refreshing in the presence of Almighty God. Do you think that we could do that? 100 pastors at $25 each, that's $2,500. Glory and I are going to, we're going to sponsor four pastors right off the bat, maybe more. But if this morning you would like to join me, in sponsoring a pastor at the pastor's conference. It's only $25. You could sponsor one. You could sponsor four. You could sponsor ten. Uh, you could sponsor all of them if you want. But I'm going to ask you to do this with me. There's a giant that needs to be slayed. It's a giant of ignorance. It's a giant of a lack of knowledge. 
And I'm going to tell you this. This church, when, you, when, they, when this church sends its pastor over to Burundi, what you're doing is you're coming with me. And together we're slaying a giant. How many know that God wants to do something very special in Burundi through this church? Now, that's my giant. What about your giant? What about your giant? Would you stand to your feet right now? We're going to close in prayer. Let me ask you this question. Your marriage in trouble? Family in trouble? Financial problems? Listen to me. Do what David did. Quickly run towards the giant. Take the first step. Do what you need to do today to start making things right. Make that phone call. Write that letter of apology. Get in touch. Reconnect. Forgive that person who's offended you, who's hurt you. Let it go today. In Jesus' name, slay that giant because the Lord has this battle in his hands. And he will help you through whatever it is that you're going through. I'm going to pray for you right now and ask you to just close your eyes. And this morning, if you have a giant that you need God's help with, just lift your hand to the Lord. I, I can't do much for you, but I can tell you Jesus can. And we're going to pray now in Jesus' name. Father, thank you so much for the giants that you are helping us to slay. We recognize today that this is the Lord's battle, and he will give this giant to us. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, would you empower each one here? Would you strengthen each one here to be more than victorious, more than conquerors through Jesus Christ? Father, we pray that we know your grace, we know your strength. That we'd see our marriages healed, families healed, that the addictions dealt with, that we would, we, we would find our, our finances straightened out, that we would take those steps, whatever it takes, to get this thing dealt with. Lord, we've been paralyzed. Some of us have been paralyzed by the giant, and we've done nothing. But today, oh God, you're saying, by your spirit, come now, my son, come, my daughter. I want you to get this thing dealt with now. So, God, do this work, we pray. Go with us as we go from this place. And may this be the best week ever. Filled with victory. Filled with faith. Filled with a confidence in Almighty God. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've given to us. We thank you for what's in our hand. Now we want to just devote it to you and say, God, take it and use it for your glory and honor. And everyone said it with me. Okay, don't move for a second. If you're interested in helping me sponsor a pastor, just run up here, grab an envelope, fill it in, put it in the giving center. Well, thank you. Even though I said don't move.